0: You're listening to Episode 75 of Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Let's chat. Discover children at a whole new level. Be empowered to grow with the children in your life. Welcome to Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Hi there and welcome to Chat About Children where we chat about all things children and empower you to grow with the children in your life. Today is episode two of the Chat About Children Thriving Kids series. Now this series features five previous Chat About Children episodes and what we've done is we have reproduced and condensed each of those fuller length episodes to bring you the golden nuggets. You can of course still access our show notes at chataboutchildren.com. Now today's episode I have a wonderful chat with Julia Pappas, she's a psychologist and a parent coach, and she's also a podcaster herself, and her podcast is called Parenting Presence. Now, this episode, Julia, helps us understand what emotional development looks like in children, what factors influence emotional development, and she also talks about how emotions are regulated. So these are part of our day-to-day, whether we're working with children or we're doing our best as parents and carers to raise our children and, of course, to empower ourselves with the information we need to help us in our day-to-day. Now, to give you a sneak peek of what's coming up next episode, I do have Julia joining me again because we have a part two, and that's where Julia is really going to delve into how to strengthen children's emotional well-being. But today's chat is really going to give you those fundamentals and the foundation knowledge that you need to really maximize what we talk about in episode three. So relax and enjoy my chat with Julia Pappas. Julia, welcome to Chat About Children.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm glad to be here. Thank you. So Julia,
0: in terms of emotional development, this is such an important topic. Why do you think it is such an important topic?
1: If we really think about it and check in with ourselves, emotions are everywhere um, every minute of the day. Uh, Maybe we're not as aware of the emotions that we do have, but we do have them. And so emotions play a very significant role and they follow us around. Sometimes we follow our own emotions, however we look at that, without understanding really what emotions are doing for us and what we do with them. I feel like we're missing out on critical tools. Um, so I, even if we're talking about children and I work with children, I always talk about the adult's emotional presence when they approach children.
0: Well, they're so closely linked, aren't they? It's hard to kind of uh, look at them mm-hmm. as, as two separate entities, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Basic question. How do you define an emotion?
1: Emotion is a sense we are getting of some feeling that's coming up for us, as usually as a reaction to something that's happening. But the core, the four core that I would love for parents to really understand are um, anger, fear, sadness, and happiness. And happiness, again, loose, loosely used to signify any positive emotion. Um, Because everything will be kind of in the continuum of one of these four. So that's, I I do want us to kind of acknowledge and appreciate everybody has emotions. There is just a spectrum of how well someone regulates it.
0: So if we can now talk about emotional development, so here we're kind of going going into the sequence, I guess, of how emotions or emotional development occurs. Can we start, Julia, maybe looking at, say, kids from birth to five years, if that's an easy enough kind of age group cluster to start with. Can you tell us a bit about the sequence of emotional development in that age category and then perhaps, you know, that school age category?
1: Um, Sometimes we have this impression that communication is words um, or when we can look each other in the eye and, you know, really know that there is a response back and all of that going on but you're so right about um communication being almost all about nonverbals, right the type of cry um how the baby is even just position the bodies the tense is it you know where are the limbs and we're talking about really small ones but why we're talking about the stage is to really highlight the fact that it starts day one right like just really simple Needs are there from day one. So they will be communicated in whatever way the baby can.
0: That's right. And so, and, and you're right. And you, you kind of group it as nonverbal and that's exactly what it is. And as we know, we communicate a lot more nonverbally than what we do verbally. And so that's a really important part to highlight uh, within mm-hmm. this discussion um, mm-hmm. is that before children do speak their first words, um, we're often looking at all the other signals that they're giving us to understand their emotions to understand their mm-hmm. needs, to understand their wants. So they are very yeah. closely linked in that way. Mm-hmm. How do things change? And we talked about self-awareness. Um, and it, look, it's going to be different for everyone, obviously. Um, but that's a big part of emotional development, I guess. From your experience, Julia, when when a child, you know, typically they start their first words around, you know, one one year of age or between 12 to 18 months Um, and then they gradually build from there I guess in terms of being able to verbalize their own emotions or have that ability to understand because it is a bit of a high level skill to be able to understand and read other Mm -hmm. emotions that happens at quite a basic level you know often kids will start with happy sad you know and parents will often describe things as happy sad as well Um, they're kind of Mm -hmm. too Tell me more about you know when you've worked with kids, what's happening at that at that stage, kind of when they're when they're around the one year, two year mark, when they've got a few words, what is happening with emotional development at that stage? is it Is it that simple and basic that we're just describing those two? I know there's a lot more going on, but tell me about your experiences.
1: But when we get to the point that they can communicate verbally, "I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm mad, um a lot of it depends on what has been modeled to them and how the parents or the caregivers have been responding to them and whether their response included the word, oh, oh, I see you're crying. Uh, the is too far. You are upset. Right? So they're telling them some of the words. Um, and at this stage, it's fine to be very basic and say, oh, you're so happy, you like this, or look at you, you got mad or you're sad, or oh, that you, you look scared, that, that scared you. So it's like fear, right? All those basic four emotions, if they're being modeled back to the child and being acknowledged and articulated, we're going to see um, more of that with children who do talk. Like you said, if, if um, the child only has happy and sad, that is a good starting point regardless, because they definitely feel more than they're able to articulate.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I know some of what you've just mentioned there, we'll probably talk about more in part two, when we're looking at, you know, kind of strengthening emotional wellbeing and, and we'll go into the language around mm-hmm. or building emotional vocabulary, because that's so important. How about when kids kind of grow into school age years? Now, is there a particular point that you are aware of, Julia, where you kind of see a, a real shift, whether it be, you know, cognitively um, in the in the typical development sequence, do you see kind of a period of that those childhood years where you see a real shift in their cognitive ability to um, I guess I guess launch into their self awareness and their emotional development a little more maturely? Yeah. What have you found?
1: Yeah, this is where we'll see very diverse presentation. Uh, by that point, children already have had a few years with their own parents and caretakers, right? So they have learned a few things. They've learned some basic of how the dynamics work. When I feel this, what happens? And those dynamics may be or may not be the same in their new social environment. So with someone who is developing naturally, Um, I know that parents, a lot of the times they come to me and ask, is this okay? My child never used to cry. Now they're crying all the time. My child used to play nicely with their siblings, but they don't play with their peers at school. All of that is normal when something huge and big like this transition happens. It's the ability of the child to adapt to that and find the new normal, their own baseline of responding that will indicate to us whether there is a challenge or not. But every child will react to something like this in some way. And some will react more strongly because, again, children are on the continuum of how they present at that point. Yes. Hopefully, by the time they enter school, they know that they are okay because of how the communication and the meeting of their needs has happened up to that point. Hopefully, they know that they are okay. So they have basic self-esteem. I matter. I'm okay. Okay. I have needs and my needs are okay. And I also have emotions that let me know about my needs and my emotions are okay as well. So hopefully they have those three components and now can kind of Feel their way out in the new world of all these other people who are also okay, who also have needs that are okay, and who also have emotions, whose emotions are okay. Now, what do we do? Yeah. Right? <laughs> it,
0: it's a massive, it's a massive, uh, you know, um, like a school. It's just a massive navigation, isn't it, for them to, mm-hmm. it's almost like trial and error, learning about others and others that come from all different types of, you know, backgrounds and and experiences to themselves. It's quite a steep learning curve. Um, isn't it for
1: kids once they enter that schooling Mm -hmm. environment absolutely
0: so why what are some a couple and there could be many reasons here but what would be a couple of reasons that a child might not follow kind of that sequence of emotional development julia what can that impact or influence
1: Mm, yeah so there could be so many factors but again just to simplify it it could be developmentally, the child's biology, basically something in their development, neurons, brain, um, something did not align at the right stages. And maybe the child was prematurely born. You will see naturally some delays. It could be that, right? It could also be social, stressors and dynamic inside the family. It could be bigger factors like, something like traumatic happening in the country. So even though, you know, the parents are loving and tender and attending, but there might be some bigger devastation happening and everyone is under stress. So that will have an impact. A lot of the times, even when we have delays that we see in the child's ability to know they're okay, their needs are okay, and they can be met, understanding their emotions. um, There's still things we can teach them. It will take a little bit more effort and needs to be guided by an adult um, rather than naturally happening for the child. But it's not like if the child is behind in some way that, this is a dead end. It very rarely is. We would have to have serious psychological issues, um inability to recognise as a people as important as themselves, to not grow emotionally.
0: And I think you you mentioned a really important point is that, Support is there and you do a lot of work in the area to support mm-hmm. emotional development and, and emotional regulation, which we'll touch on in a moment. Um, you know, speech pathologists, again, mm-hmm. are, are a massive example of, of professionals who work directly with children on um, you know, emotional development from a bit of a different angle. There is a lot of opportunity there to help children to build their skills, not just to tick boxes, not at all. So it's not to tick a checklist, but it's more for that individual. What do they actually need to function successfully in their day to day? And this is what we term as life skills.
1: Yes, absolutely. If you're a mum or know a mum who could do with some support, this is an invitation to join the Flourish for Mums four week self care program. This weekly program is inspired by the best-selling book, Flourish for Mums, 21 Ways to Thrive with Self-Care and Acceptance, and is led by the fabulous author, Sonia Bestelich. She takes mums on a powerful journey to reconnect with themselves whilst building authentic relationships with fellow mums. Sound like something you want to join? Join our community from anywhere in the world. Mums, it is time for you to flourish. Sign up at flourishformoms.com.
0: So that brings us to very much to emotional regulation because it is a life skill.
1: I, I think it's landing nicely to the beginning of the conversation where we were saying that, yes, children need to develop emotionally and need to understand their emotions. But the same happens for adults. And even for adults who are pretty well regulated and well-functioning, when we're met with challenges or new uh, things, we want to either grow in areas um, or just facing challenges of life. We might be confronted with something that uh, rattles us emotionally. So we will have to then try to understand how we respond to something new and how do we regulate there. And so there's a lot of room to learn, even for ourselves as adults. Okay, what's happening here? I'm usually pretty balanced. What's happening for me right now? Right. So it's a process for everyone, which I hope. Makes it less stigmatizing if we just talk about this more generally as well, you know?
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. So, Julia, but what's the, the simple definition for emotional regulation?
1: Yeah, it's the ability, again, to understand, first of all, what is it I'm feeling, and then be able to respond to that need because the emotion always comes from some sort of need. It's our ability to notice and catch it and respond to it before other people do. It's a very private process. Yes.
0: Yes, definitely. And it's really an ability to kind of step aside and not get caught up in all the all the emotion, mm-hmm. if you like, um, step to the yes, side yeah. and, and 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 observe it, uh, which is a skill in itself and it needs a lot of practice in itself. If if I talk about emotional regulation as a skill, because it, it does take a bit of practice in some ways. Emotionally regulating, what do you see in all your work? Where where does, where does kind of the foundation skill for for children kind of stem from?
1: Regulation is all about I'm okay, right? So before we even know what we're feeling, there is a caretaker that tells us, don't worry, I'm taking care of you, right? It's when the caretaker is missing the mark, then it becomes important to know what is it that I, as a tiny human, am feeling so I don't look sad, I actually look pretty mad. (laughs) So I'm sending a different message, right? So if we go back to kind of regulation, we need to, as as a human being, we need to be able to communicate the right emotion and we're practicing communicating that by seeing how other people respond to us. And if the response is appropriate, great. Our emotions and our communication of that is working. If the response is not appropriate, something is breaking down there. And in that moment, because the child cannot meet their needs yet, their emotion will keep escalating. And if, again, the caretaker and the child do not have a supportive dynamic, the caretaker may withdraw when they see the escalation of emotion, right, or may get scared. Oh, my gosh, my child has a tantrum. What do I do? Um, And so it's a balance at that beginning stages. It's a balance of the adult regulating themselves so that they're able to respond to the child who may not yet be able to regulate. They're all trying it out, right? So when the adult is able to regulate themselves, then they can create the space for the child to regulate themselves. And that happens through this process that I call just creating space and holding, holding the child's emotions for them. It's okay. I'm seeing this. This is fear. This is sadness. Or this is whatever. You got too excited. That happens too, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah yeah
1: (laughs) so yeah and holding that space for them making it okay so i'm seeing this i'm hearing this this is what i'm reading off of you i'm okay with you feeling that let's see what we need to do about it right so when adult is fine with whatever the child is feeling the child will be fine with that as well and the adult will guide them through that holding of their emotions of the whole cycle through you're okay you're I hear your needs, your emotions are okay, now let's see what we can do about it. When adults can do that multiple times over and over and over, the child learns, again, I'm okay, my emotions are okay, my needs are okay, Everything is fine. And that's the basis of regulation, really. They need to feel like everything is okay and it will work out.
0: Yeah, it's kind of going back to that basic need for safety, isn't it? I'm feeling safe. It Mm -hmm. takes practice um, to just you know step back and not be reactive but just have a bit of space to be responsive and you know like in it it happens and then you get a lot of parent guilt going on oh you know oh, yes. I snapped back or I shout or I did this and then the guilt just mm-hmm. takes over which is not you know I guess now moving into a slightly different direction here Julia but I've, I just want to acknowledge that for parents it's also mm-hmm. okay <laughs> Um but uh, let's let's also have some balance in how we view ourselves too, because that in its, that also just shows our kids that you know we're we're human, we experience emotions, and we're not perfectly regulating them all the time.
1: Absolutely, and I'm so glad you are pausing here to just acknowledge that, right? It's kind of how I was saying earlier. So the guilt would be coming from the place either I'm not okay or my needs were not okay in that moment, or my emotions, you know, anger maybe, or just uh, fear um, of how the child is acting, my emotions were not okay. So if we are are withdrawing or feeling later guilt, it's because one of those three is not being acknowledged. And we're learning too, right? If we're noticing that we can't regulate the child, it's because we're struggling with that as well. Acknowledge that. We said it's not a once-and-done process. By the time you're out of high school, you should be well-regulated. No, it's an ongoing process. And parenting is actually, speaking of challenges, a very important challenge developmentally for an adult.
0: Oh yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's an ongoing steep learning curve.
1: Anger also comes from that place. Shame comes from I'm not okay you know and guilt it's how i responded my emotional reaction was not okay
0: now i'm i'm going to i'm going to just go back a little julia um and and this is just to touch on you'd mentioned before my child is having a tantrum um you know don't know how to how to mm-hmm. respond if you have a a parent who kind of says look what do i do how do i respond to a tantrum Are there a few like very general tips that you can share with our listeners about how to respond
1: first of all we want to make sure we're ready we're showing up fully regulated ourselves we're not scared we're not angry uh, we're not sad our child is not always going to be in the state we don't need to feel hopeless about that it is a challenge and it is a challenge so much for them as it is for us as well right For a Mm -hmm. tantrum to occur, what that tells me is the emotion has escalated. And for children, that can happen very quickly. There is an emotion that indicated some need. The need was not met in the moment. And so now there is that escalation that we are seeing. It's at that point where you have this level of escalation, it's hard to get to the bottom of what the need is because you kind of need to do some checking, what is happening? You know, is it a one-off tantrum and you can kind of scan your environment? What happened just now? Who else? What else was happening around the child? Or is it more kind of a a pattern that's developing? Well, we need to do a little bit different type of checking, right? Or something has changed in their environment or routine. There's so many things. As I respond to the child, first um, priority is to help them calm down literally just regulate that emotion by holding space for them i see a lot of parents wanting the tantrum to end and so either they scold the child or very you know from a good place trying to get to the bottom of it what's going on what's going on what's going on well they cannot at that point express to us what's going on some parents i've seen try to also have the child express what emotion it is that is kind of useless the child is totally having a meltdown at that point. So I think step one is really getting to a place where the child can calm down, whether they respond to touch or just giving them space, being around them, speaking to them with soothing voice, very few words. um, And just, you know, your child, see what the child responds to. And once they can hear us and they kind of slow down, our message to them should be, you are okay. We don't want to know why they were tantruming. We don't want to tell them it was not okay to tantrum. Message one is, you are okay. And then next up is, let's try and figure out what they need. But there's nothing really to do in the escalation phase other than keeping the child safe, both physically Absolutely. and emotionally,
0: right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And Julia, you, you summarized that beautifully. And I know within that, that that was very valuable information for a lot of the listeners. So thank Mm -hmm. you. Really valuable tips and strategies within that. That was excellent. Oh, I hope so. Julia, I'm I'm mindful that we've had a a wonderful conversation so far, really providing an introduction to, and, and even beyond an introduction to, emotional development, you know, touched on emotional regulation. And that leads us into Part two, which is going to be about uh, strengthening emotional well-being in kids um, and and just looking at those super practical ways that listeners can I guess adopt strategies and ways to implement very easily and quickly some little I guess tips and tricks I like to call them to just start adding that that strength work to kids developing emotional well-being and that resilience with their emotions so do you have any messages take home messages about what we've talked about so far
1: number one is i want to acknowledge for the parents that it's a process right a lot of the times we might this might be having a child might be the first experience ever that we are beginning to feel emotions we've never felt before so creating that space for ourselves And doing the work we need to do to continue growing growing emotionally is important so that we can support the child's emotional development. And again, the three important steps or pillars to that uh, development is you're okay. So I'm talking to you as a parent, you are okay. Your needs as a parent are okay, and your emotions are okay. Do the work you need to do to really feel that and acknowledge that for yourself.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful, Julia. Thank you so much for all your expertise and your warmth and your valuable strategies and information today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining the chat about children.
1: Thank you.
0: A great chat there with Julia Pappas, who always has so much value to share. Now, I would love for you to share this episode with family, friends and with colleagues who you know will benefit And I would also love for you to leave a rating and a review for the podcast from your favourite podcast player. Thank you so much for your attention. I celebrate you and I look forward to chatting soon. Thanks for joining the Chat About Children with Sonia www.chataboutchildren.com